brief about that. Um, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, if you want to listen to last week's sermon, it's online at patching or hold on sermon.net slash patching cracks. Except my wife hasn't loaded it yet, so it's her fault. But all of the sermons are online. There should be a. <laughs> I almost made her spit her water. Um, we are working on the book of Philippians this morning. We're going to pray and we're going to dive in. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would. Uh, I pray that you would be with us this morning. I pray that you would uh, um, help us to, as we look at your word, as we look at the book of Philippians, to find um, your your message for us. That you would you would speak to our hearts and help us to know Jesus more intimately through this time. Um, and I especially pray, Lord, that that you would um, um, just monitor my talk and help me to speak in harmony with your will and with what your word says, Lord. Um, don't let anything that's me get into this. Let it all be you. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Um, has anybody seen that movie, The Bucket List? Has anybody heard that phrase one too many times in the last few years? <laughs> For those of you all who aren't aware, The Bucket List is a film about two men, two old men who have cancer. Um, and they're both dying. And they make up a list of everything that they want to do with their lives before they die. And, and it's become sort of this like fad now where we say, well, I've only got so much time left. You only live once. Um, <laughs> I heard a couple groans. Um, you, you only get this one time around, and so let's get everything in that we can and enjoy it as much as possible because when it's over, it's over, right? And I hear people say, well, my bucket list item, I am going to Europe and I'm going to skydive. And I'm going to, you know, and you hear this list. Anybody heard this? Is it just me that's heard this? Um, and, and I've been thinking about that. Somebody said it around me the other day. It's not just me. Thank you, Trenton. Um, I, I, uh, I heard this, um, it was a couple weeks ago, and as I've been looking at Philippians, this has been percolating in the back of my head, um, and, and um, I, I had this realization. Um, the bucket list idea rests on a philosophy that says, when it's over, it's over. Everybody with me? This is my one chance. If I don't skydive before I die, I will have missed skydiving. If I don't um, win a brisket cook-off and make Brooke wear an apron before I'm dead, that's over. But I didn't lose to Brooke. <laughs> and that's what matters. <laughs> it's like outrunning a grizzly bear, right? I don't have to outrun the bear. I just got to outrun you. And I... <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but there's this attitude of when it's over, it's over. And I've got to, you know, I, I've talked to folks who say, well, I need to spend all my money before I die because I can't take it with me, right? And the attitude is when it's over, when the curtain goes down, it's done. And so I better be happy and I better have fun and I better everything I can right now because I deserve it and I need to get it in, okay? Now, we're going to hit pause on that because it's going to come up again. Um, when we come to Paul... Paul, um, in this letter, is, is near the end of his life, right? This is not long before they separate his head from his body. And generally, that's the end. Everybody with me? And, and there's an element of bucket list in this, right? But it's bucket list with a twist. And so watch it. Um, Paul is sitting in a prison cell. Um, I'm going to give you a tiny bit of background. We're not going to spend a lot of time on the background because I, I did this last week. I don't want to do it every week and spend an hour doing background. Um, 
Paul was writing a letter to Philippi where he had planted a church. This is a very diverse church, and it's a church that is probably experiencing some persecution because before Paul even left the city, he was there for just a short time. He was tortured and beaten publicly and managed to convert the jailer who was torturing him kind of crazy. Um, but, but, like, this is a rough town, okay? And it's a rough town that's the center or that is one of the centers of the, the, the district, right, like the, the county. Like we think of Chodo County. What do we think? What's the big cities in Chodo County? Um, that's it. Um, <laughs> Fort Bend's not a big city. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> um, and so, like, this is, like, one of the biggest towns in the community, and it's a Roman um, colony because there was a big battle fought there, and the Romans, when they, they got done, they settled a bunch of Roman soldiers there for retirement, right? And so this is kind of a rough town, lots of pagans, lots of people who don't like Christians very much. So Paul is writing these guys a letter, and he's writing from jail. Now, Paul isn't just in jail. He's in really serious jail. Um, he's in jail where they have, he's got such a bad reputation, he's chained to two guards 24-7, right? Um, this is the ancient world equivalent of, here's my Halloween moment for the morning, like the Hannibal Lecter wearing the mask and in the straitjacket. Like they really do not want this guy to get away, right? He is public enemy number, you know, like two. Um, and it's a big deal. And so Paul is in super jail, and um, he, he's probably going to die. Um, and that's where his situation is. Um, and through this letter, his major theme over and over again, and you're going to hear me say it, is joy, right? Paul is in prison, going to get his head cut off. People are being like persecuted all around him. And Paul's major point as he writes to the Philippians is joy, so, like, he's picked the opposite of his situation, right? How many of y'all have found yourself in a crummy situation and joy is about as far from your mind as possible? Really, just me? <laughs> um, and what Paul, like, presents for us in this letter is kind of how this works. How do you have joy when the, when the sky is falling? Um, and so we're going to be looking at that. Um, and we're going to start, the first half of this, he talked about why he's so thankful for the Philippian church and why he prays for them constantly, and the thankfulness in the prayer and everything else. It, it's, it's an interesting like bit of passage in a dull sermon. If you want to listen to it, it's online. Um, so Philippians 1, 12 to 13, he's just finished his introduction, and is I pray and thank God for you all the time, and he shifts gears. How do we know he shifts gears? Because of the first word in the passage, now, right? which in ancient Greek there are ways that they wrote letters, and it was an art form. It was kind of crazy how much focus they spent on writing letters, but paper cost a fortune um, at the time, and it was really hard to write letters on paper and not make mistakes, and so they spent a lot of time thinking about it. And so some of the letters we get are works of art and like, like really advanced literature. And here we see, now, I want you to know, brethren. So he, his transition into the body of the letter is, be aware, pay attention, this is important. Brothers, my, my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So Paul is saying, I am in jail, I am in chains, nobody is feeding me except when people donate and bring me food, which the Philippians did. Um, but despite the fact that my situation is crummy, and it's crummy, can we all agree if you're in prison, like, not good, right? Um, the gospel is advancing. Right? The, like the message of Jesus died for your sins 
and you can be forgiven for every rotten thing you've ever done is being spread as a result of Paul being in prison. Um, Well, how is that? So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else. Um, So he says, listen, I'm in prison pretty much because of Jesus, right? He is not there because he robbed a 7-Eleven. There were 7-Elevens back then. Um, He's not there because he cheated on his taxes. He's not there for any reason other than he was preaching about Jesus, he was arrested, and that's it. Everybody with me? And so he is there for being a Christian, and that's what he means by um, um, in the cause of Christ, meaning I am in prison for Jesus, um, and it's become well-known through the Praetorian Guards. What this is referring to is these are like the king's guards, right? He is such a serious criminal for being a Christian um, that he doesn't just have regular guards on him. He's in the like like the palace dungeons, and he has like the king's guards or the emperor's guards guarding him. And when Paul would be chained up, he would sit there with these two guys. They'd have four-hour shifts where they would have to listen to Paul talk about Jesus for four hours. Um, and he undoubtedly converted some. How do we know? Because a little later in the letter, he references that there are Christians in the royal family. Kind of crazy. And so Paul put him in jail. What does he do? He talks about Jesus to the people he's chained to all day. You can't stop this guy. And he says, well, look, I'm in jail, but it's not bad because I've advanced the Gospels because I'm converting guards. Isn't it great? (laughs) Which, by the way, is really something when you're in jail for being a Christian and you talk to people who've got you in jail into believing what you believe, think about how crazy that is. Um, But everybody else is finding out, hey, Paul didn't do anything wrong. He's just here because of Jesus. And that most most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Okay, he says, listen, I'm converting the guards and the folks in the church in Rome, because there is a church in Rome, and it's grown to be a good-sized church um, by all indications from the letters, right? Like, they weren't preaching as much because they were doing little things like setting Christians on fire at the time, right? Not nice. It would be a reason not to talk publicly about what you believe. And Paul says, not only am I converting folks in the guards, the folks around me in the church are hearing about that, that I'm like gutsy enough to preach to the guards who are holding me you know, prisoner, and they're going out and preaching. Like their courage is coming out of my circumstance. Because you know what? Like if you're looking at the guy who's in jail and you're saying I'm not even in jail and he's doing more than I am, like I ought to step up and do something. Everybody with me? And so Paul, like in prison, writing to the Philippians who are probably like, man, it's kind of crummy that Paul's in jail, says, it's great that I'm in jail because God is working. Is Paul happy about this? Yes. You can't knock this guy down. You can't slow him down. He's happy that his, well, we'll get to that. Um, Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife. Um, But some also from goodwill. All right. There's a there's something here called a, a chiastic form. It's a bit of poetry. Again, Paul is thinking about this real hard. Um, and, and it's where you would do a line and then another line and then like a line that matches the first line and then you back up and do a line that matches. The, does that make sense? It's like a... Um, and the first line there is, um, to be sure, some are preaching even from envy and strife. 
So it's a negative. There are folks out there in Rome who are preaching because they don't like Paul. Everybody with me? They're saying, well, Paul's in prison and he's still preaching. Well, I'm going to get up and I'm going to preach too. (laughs) I'll show you. It's not a good motive. Everybody with me? If I'm going out and doing ministry work to show that I'm better than you, not so good. You know, or to show that I'm like a better preacher or that so people will listen to me and not like you. Like, that guy's a jerk. Can we all agree? Nobody agrees? <laughs> um, and so the first line from envy and strife, but some also are preaching from goodwill. The latter do it out of love. See, there's a parallel. So there are some folks who are seeing Paul in prison and they're being driven by their love for God and their love for Paul to go out and preach. Um, the former proclaim Christ out of a selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking that they can cause me distress in my imprisonment. So these guys, by the way, there's the parallel, right, to the first line and the last line. Um, these guys are out there saying, well, we're going to give Paul trouble. And we're going to give him trouble by getting followers who are going to abandon him or by doing better than him. And they're going to look at Paul and think he's kind of kind of lame because he's in jail and he can't go out and preach like I am. And, and, you know, these guys are kind of jerks. So Paul says, look, people are out there doing things for the right reason, and people are out there doing things for the wrong reason. But what then? What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. We're going to hit pause here. Paul says, I don't care, because they're still preaching, and that's all I want. How many of y'all, like, have any of y'all, like, had, like, an enemy? I mean, I know, other than me, like, <laughs> any of y'all had, like, an enemy, like somebody out there, and you know they're gossiping about you, and you know they're thinking mean thoughts about you, and just the fact that they're gossiping about you or thinking mean thoughts, it kind of gets under your skin, doesn't it? I mean, it, it kind of, like, you find yourself sitting in bed at night trying to go to sleep, and you think, I can't believe he's out there talking about me right now. I know it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, um... But what's Paul saying? Paul says, you know what? I don't care. As long as they're advancing the gospel, as long as they're doing God's deal, I'm just going to be happy. Because all that matters to me is that God's deal gets advanced. And Paul recognizes, even if you persecute me, it advances God's, God's like mission for this world. You can't even knock me down hard enough to screw with God's plan. Does that make sense? Anybody believe that anybody in this world can come along and squish you bad enough to, to mess with God's, God's overall plan for your life or this world? Absolutely not. Like, you can't, you can't derail God's plan. Um, I talk to folks sometimes who say, well, what if I have made such a huge mistake that I missed God's opportunity for my life and it's behind me now? Well, then maybe God would have planned for that, right? You can't mess up God's deal. And Paul is happy because he knows no matter what the situation, he's winning. Why is he winning? Because he's on the winning team. He's not on the Red Sox. Um, Gosh, I I, I didn't know if the Wildcats won yesterday, so I didn't know if I could make fun of the Alley Cats this morning or not. Um, Oh, no joke then. (laughs) And in this I rejoice. Yes. And I will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision 
of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and hope. So Paul says, yes, yes, even though I'm persecuted, even though people are out there preaching to, to mess with me, I'm still going to rejoice. I'm still going to celebrate. Why am I going to celebrate? Because I know this will turn out for my deliverance. Hold on, Mike. Um, this will turn out for my deliverance. What does he mean this will turn out for my deliverance? He's not talking about getting out of prison. Everybody with me? This word deliverance, it's a funny word that doesn't translate very well. Another way to say it would be vindication. Um, vindication is a $5 word that says, I'm going to be proved right in the end. Right? And so he says, I know that because y'all are praying for me, and because the Holy Spirit is with me, I'm going to be proved right. And I'm going to be proved right. There are two ways he's going to do this, and we're going to get to them in a second, but I'm going to tip my hand early. First off, he is not going to fold under pressure, right? If, if you take a guy, uh, Joan of Arc, you all are familiar? Joan of Arc was a French woman, and uh, um, she, she was fighting against the English who were, and she was like somebody, she said, God came to me and told me to go out and fight. She, she went out and fought. And, and she won great victories for the French and eventually was captured and tortured. And they said, just renounce your vision from God. And, you know, they tortured her to get her to renounce it. And eventually, under torture, she said, okay, God didn't come to me in a vision. And then later, she, when they were about to cut her head off, she said, well, no, he did. I just said that so you'd stop torturing me. Um, that would be the opposite of this, right? Paul is saying, no matter what, no matter what, I'm going to get to the end and I'm going to be proven right. Even if I'm standing before God in heaven, I'm going to be proven right. By the way, let's play this bucket list game. Right? Where's the bucket list come out? Is Paul only going to live once? No. What's Paul worried about? Is he worried about getting every experience and every joy he can? No. Actually, he is, because the joy Paul gets is from Jesus. And from God doing his deal. From God, like, working out his plan for the salvation of folks who are lost. For God's plan to reconcile the world to him. And so Paul says, I'm suffering and I'm struggling, but I know in my suffering and struggling that God is going to, like, win in the end. And I'm going to be vindicated. And so for Paul, the bucket list, the I'm facing the end is about God is going to win. And that's all I want is that God is glorified. Um, but this is a choice, right? Do you think Paul likes living in nice houses? I'm betting he does, right? Paul would like to drive a nice car. They had cars back then. Um, <laughs> um, I, archaeological records from the period are sketchy, but I'm sure it's there. <laughs> Paul would like to, I'm sure Paul would have loved comfort, but Paul made a choice that Jesus was the number one thing. And because of that, Paul can back up and say, you know what, is God winning in the end? Yes, I'm going to be joyed. What, they're torturing me? In the end, I'm doing God's deal. And as long as I'm in God's deal, I might be sad at the moment, I might be hurting, but underneath it all, I know God is winning. Um, for Paul, joy comes about in the fact that Jesus died for him and he's saved. And in the end, he says, I know I'm going to be vindicated because you guys are praying for me and because the, the Holy Spirit is with me. And because I know this is the way this is going to work out. Um, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything. Now, here's the trick, right? Put to shame in anything. This phrase is used in the Old Testament, specifically from Psalms. Um, the line means to be ashamed before God, right? Be, and specifically, it's in reference to failing. I will not be ashamed before God because I failed. 
And so he says, um, my deliverance, meaning, and then according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed before God because I failed in anything, and that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And so Paul says, listen, whether I live or die, Jesus is going to be exalted in my life. That's all that matters. I can be tortured to death. As long as I don't fold, as long as I'm not ashamed before God, um, it's going to work out. Now, there's another thing here. Now that we're at the end of it, I'm going to point back. Paul is quoting scripture verses, but he's quoting them just in the line of his text. And so he's taking Bible verses and he's working them in. Um, the first spot he does it, turn out for my deliverance through your prayers. My, um, my, um, sorry, I had a blank spot. My deliverance through your prayers. This is a line from Job. Job lost everything and hurt and suffered and cried out to God to, to, to answer his questions. So Paul is comparing himself to Job. And then the rest of it is from Psalms. And so he says, listen, I'm suffering like Job, but I'll praise God like the psalmist. It's a really cool thing that's built in there. Here's the next trick. For me to live, for me, or for to me, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Um, everybody who's been a Christian for more than a year has this on a coffee cup somewhere, right? Like we've all heard this line. Understand the fullness of it, right? To live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul is in prison. Paul's friends are being killed. Paul says, if I'm alive, I'm going to talk about Jesus, and I'm going to serve Jesus, and that's my bucket list. If I die, I'm looking forward to it because I get my reward then. Can't beat this guy, and he's happy about all of it. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions. I have the desire to depart and be with Christ. For that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Now here Paul is throwing out his bucket list. Okay, this is exactly what matters to him before he dies. He says, listen, I would love to die right now and go be with Jesus. Why? Because he's in prison. Because they're torturing him. Because he's going to be killed in a bad, nasty, ugly way. And in the end he says, you know what, as much as I'm looking forward to that, as much as I'm looking forward to getting away from this, by the way, he uses an army phrase here when he talks about like, like pulling up stakes and leaving is actually what it means. It refers to an army pulling up stakes and moving on, like pulling the tents out of the ground and moving on. And that's exactly right there. That um, uh, uh, I desire to, be, to depart and be with Christ, that phrase he's using. A, he's, I want to pull up stakes and leave. I want to go. I'm, I'm tired and I'm done. But what's best for me to serve Jesus as hard as I can and make your lives better? That's what Paul wants. You only live once, right? But we live in a culture that's decided. You only live once means have as much fun as you can with what you have right now, right? Do it if it's fun. Do it if it feels good. Do it if it, like, is going to fulfill you in the moment. Do it if it fits with some identity that you think you ought to have. All of this stuff. But in the end, what really matters, like and what Paul is showing us is, real joy is found, real joy is found in serving Christ with our lives. Becoming a tool in the hand of God. Um, and so he says, listen, I want to serve you guys. I want to do what's right by y'all. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all 
for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Paul says, I'm going to do my best to stay alive so I can come back to you guys and help you serve God better. All about me, right? No, it's all about everyone else because Paul, his whole identity is Jesus. Um, We go on. Now he gives directions, and there's a trick in all of this. Paul has been setting up a bigger argument. Ooh, he's tricky. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with the one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in no way alarmed by your opponents. We hit pause there. He says, do what I'm doing says, I'm tortured, I'm in prison, I'm going to die soon, and I'm happy. I trust Jesus. And do the same thing. My life is hard because I'm preaching and I'm being persecuted for it. You guys do likewise. Like, Paul has been talking about his own example, not to brag, but he's setting up this, this ideal for how do we follow Jesus. We trust him in everything. I'm having a crummy day. Well, If I trust Jesus and I praise him even when my life is crummy, even when I'm lonely, even when I'm hungry, even when, um, you know, my family's not getting along with me, even when, you know, the people who are supposed to love me are against me, even when all of that stuff is happening. If I'm overjoyed and filled with Jesus, doesn't matter. Do the same thing. Um, And even when you're facing opponents, because we know these guys probably were, um, don't even let them see you scared. Don't even let them see you scared which is a sign of destruction for them, meaning um, when you're messing with a guy and you're going to like say, well, we're going to go ahead and kill you, right? And that guy is like, oh, I'm going to heaven. Bring your worst. When you can't scare someone, that's intimidating, right? When you have that level of confidence, and he's saying, listen, your strength is a sign to them that God is correct and that you'll be vindicated. Um, but of salvation for you, oh, I'm sorry, I broke that up which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. Meaning, um, it tells them God is in control and you need to, like, you need to reevaluate, right? But it also reminds you, if you're not afraid, it's because God is right and God is saving you. Um, I know I'm running long, last few verses. For for, For to you, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. So Paul is saying, listen, you guys are blessed. Why are you blessed? Because first off, you know Jesus and you believe in him. Secondly, right, and this is huge, how do you have joy? Um, Because you trust in him even when things are tough. And Paul says, because you've seen it in me and you're experiencing the same thing. I'm persecuted and I have joy anyway. If you can be persecuted and the gospel is advanced through it, right, if you experience difficulty and the message of Christ is advanced, if you can lose everything that you love in life and still point to God and praise him, you're blessed. Why are you blessed? Because God is using you to advance the gospel. Paul's bucket list is all about being God's guy. Because he knows, again, and I said this last week, today, I know this sermon seems like it's going on forever, right? It's less than a whisper in eternity. That's because Paul is looking on the long game. And he has joy in the long game. He has joy in the reward that's coming. Because we're just passing through, folks. Right? We're sojourners. We're, we're vacationing here. 
and heaven is our ultimate destiny. Um, when we keep our eye on that, when we keep our eye on the fact that God made that possible through his only son, through Jesus dying for us, it's the long game. We're going to close in prayer. Do we have one more song? Where is he? Do we have one more song? Okay, we're going to close in prayer, um, and we'll finish with the song. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bring us to a place where our hearts would rely on you in all things. When, when we experience difficulty, when we experience frustration, when we experience joy and, and blessing, I pray that you would help us to look to you as, as the source of our, our assurance, as the source of our salvation, as the source of our hope, and that we would be joyful in all things, that we would be happy in the fact that your word is being advanced through our difficulty and through our blessing. In Christ's name, amen.